AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. to the latest edition of 100, the Ed Gordon Podcast. Today, a conversation with broadcaster and producer Sean Robinson. Sean was a fixture as an anchor reporter for Access Hollywood for 16 years. She's now started a new part of her career as she debuts as an executive producer for the upcoming Lifetime original movies, Lust and Envy. Both are in the Seven Deadly Sins story series. Tomorrow is my wedding day, and I'm about to make the biggest mistake of my life. Because this man isn't my future husband. This man is my weakness. I know it's wrong, but I can't stop. My desire for this man consumes me. It overrides reason, morals, everything. This is lust. Lust is the first of two movies to air on the network starting this weekend. Sean's success is no surprise to me. We both hail from the Motor City and have known each other for decades. It's been since high school. Since high, high school. school. Yes. But since I was an underclassman, yes, you're you never 
spoke to me. So, okay. but you know, yeah, but no, I, I, I'm totally I'm over that now. All right. I'm over okay. it. I'm glad you're over <laughs> that. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Growing up in Detroit, I tell people for me, growing up in Detroit gave you an extra sense of confidence because when we grew up, the mayor was black, all of the city council were black, you had black doctors and lawyers. And was that a part of, you know, your confidence? Was that something Detroit gave you? You know, at uh, you know, it's so interesting. Um the conversations that the conversations that we are having today about uh, Black Lives Matter and white allies and the issue of white centrality. And when we were growing up, we saw leaders who look like us. We saw teachers and professionals who all look like us. And you know, coming out into the world after, you know, we graduated, I went to Spelman College and all-girls school in Atlanta. And, you know, going into this world where, you know, those, those faces became fewer and fewer in the businesses that we were in. So, you know, we had that foundation. I believe I had that foundation growing up in Detroit because we knew that we could accomplish anything. We knew that we could be doctors and lawyers. We knew that we could be heads of corporations. We knew that, um, that the sky was the limit for us. Um, and also growing up in Detroit, it gives you a sense of how, uh, of the importance of work, of being hardworking. Because we came from, you know, all of our, our parents were, you know, came from working class backgrounds. So we didn't take that for granted. We certainly did not take education for granted because um, most, uh, we probably had, all of us had parents who instilled in us the, the value of education and the fact that um, even though we, we, we saw these leaders around us, we saw what we can accomplish, the only way we were going to do that is if we applied ourselves getting a good education and really working hard. Let me ask you this. I don't think I've ever asked you this. And I mean, you and I have talked about careers forever. Um, we still do. We still get a chance to go to lunch and, and talk about where we sit right now. But was this something you always wanted to do? Did you always want to be a reporter, an anchor, et cetera? Well, I always felt I was some type of performer. <laughs> okay. You might remember back in cast, although you didn't speak to me back then, but um, it, when we were at CAS, our high school, I was in performing arts. I was in the performing arts curriculum. So, you know, I, I was a Wilhelmina in Count Dracula. We put on plays. Uh, even before that, uh, when I was little, I remember I used to write plays. Like when I was like about six or seven, I would write plays and I would perform all the parts for my parents and my grandparents. And so I was always one, I think, who was destined to do some type of of something in front of the camera, just because that was sort of, you know, the, the, the path I, I gravitated towards. Um, but also, I, as a, as a reporter, I learned early on how to produce in addition to being on camera. And you as a journalist also, what, that producing was also in our genes. And we, that was something we had to learn how to do. 
So, um, yeah, I, I think that it was always going to be something where I was, do, you know, I was giving people information. I was performing in front of people. Um, but also I knew that I, I felt that I was a bit of a creative even early on. Well, most people know you from the entertainment side. I mean, you were on Access Hollywood for many, many, many years. Yeah. Um, but the truth of the matter is you started in news. You did uh, the traditional kind of local news bouncing around from city to city yeah. as you climbed the ladder. Um, what made the change for you? And do you ever at all miss news? Well, well, I don't think anybody really misses news right now because of uh, what we see on news, the news every single day. Uh, I'm glad I'm not in that, in it that way. Um, but you're right. And just a little bit about my background. Um, when I was at Spelman, between my junior and senior year, I started working at Channel 62 in Detroit. Um, back then, it was the only, I think, and you probably know this information also, it, I think it was the only Black-owned radio and television station in the country. It may have been definitely one of a very few. And I remember, uh, you know, I, I went there and I started an internship. I wasn't, internships back then, you weren't paid, you weren't given food, lunch, nothing. <laughs> you just went to work. So back then I started learning how to, um, to write, to report, to edit. Um, we edited, sometimes we're editing our own stories. Um, definitely, you know, producing our own stories. And after I graduated, I went back to um, in to Detroit, and I interned again. And I got a uh, I got a temporary job being a, a secretary. And then I worked at the television station until they put me on the payroll. Um, from there, from Detroit, I went to Flint, Michigan. Uh, w I think it was W E Y I. I was there for two and a half months. Uh, and that's when the news director told me I wouldn't make it in TV. <laughs> and so he told me he was letting me go. Um, and so I, there used to be, remember those, 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 I think it was like broadcasting and cable magazines, they would have reporting jobs in the back of the magazine. And so what I would do, I would look on the back of the magazine, see where the reporting jobs were. And I found one in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I went and interviewed for that. And I was, I started off as the health reporter, uh, then anchor, a weekend anchor. And I also hosted a talk show in Milwaukee. Um, from Milwaukee, I went to Austin, Texas as an anchor reporter, then Miami as an anchor reporter. And then I got tired. I said, I, I want to do something different. I want to show my personality a little bit more. I got tired of the car crashes and the murders and the fires and all of that. And I, the Access Hollywood saw a tape of mine. Back then it was a tape. It wasn't a, like a link to anything. It was a tape. Um, and they called me out for an interview. And then I was there for 16 years. And somebody told me I was, I'd been on an, national entertainment show longer than any one national entertainment show longer than anybody other than Mary Hart. Somebody just told me that. So 
What was it like to cover entertainment for you? It is not, you know, people see the glamour and all the other stuff, but it's not an easy business. It can be an ugly business sometimes. Um, what was it like for you to try to kind of do it with some dignity and keep your head above water? Because you can get caught in all kind of mess. Uh, well, yeah, you know, um, back then things were very different. Uh, remember, I came to Access Hollywood in 1999. That was before Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, anything before social media even existed. So I was one of the very few black faces on the red carpet. Listen, it was a fantastic job. I mean, it was, you know, being uh, an African-American woman and anchoring this, at that time, national show meant national show. it was different than it is today where mm-hmm. we're in this global society. But, you know, to be on this show was history making um, and, you know, allowed my parents to see what I was doing and I could, you know, wave to them sometime. And so it was, you know, it was, it was an extraordinary time back then. It was so different because back then, Access Hollywood, there were only really two games in town, Access Hollywood and Entertainment Tonight. And so when stars had to, when stars had a new album, a movie, a television show, they came to us. Uh, we were one of the places, very few places that they came to. You know, they also came to, you know, some of the morning shows and also, you know, like Johnny Carson and whatnot. But um, it was, so it was a lot different. It was a friendlier, uh, more celebrity friendly um, atmosphere and time in entertainment. Um, and then, the shift came when, you know, you had, um, you know, you had some of the tabloids come on the scene and we, there was a time when we would never, ever, ever in a million years show paparazzi video, you know, celebrities coming out of a bar drunk or whatnot. We would never, ever, ever show that in a million years. And then when the, the, some of the tabloid shows came on and they would send these kids out with these cameras and let them hang out at the bar and they'd get somebody, you know, that w- who was known coming out of a, you know, stumbling out of a, a bar. Um, that changed the game for yeah. everybody, everybody. All of a sudden... Shows like Access and ET had to compete with the ratings that these other shows were getting. And so those shows started to become more tabloidy, um, more less celebrity friendly. So that for me, that was a shift that what I was very uncomfortable with because that wasn't the type of news that I wanted to do. Um, you know, I I it, it was, you know, it was just a shift. It was a big shift in, in, in our culture and it continues today. And when you ask, do I miss news? I don't miss the type of news that I would have to cover today. Another shift was not to be a one trick pony in the industry. Sean wanted to find other ways to channel her talents. When you and I were growing up in the business, Ed, we were, you know, we were always loyal to one station. We did one thing. We, the, the, the word diversify or diversification, we did, we did, that didn't exist for us. And 
I knew that I had more to contribute than what I was doing. I mean, I had a you know great time. Um, so often I felt like I was, I was, it was like Groundhog Day. I would mm-hmm. wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm covering the same stories every single day, same award shows. Say, you know, I covered like 16 award shows uh, or 16 Oscars, 16 Emmys, 16 Grammys. And say, like after a while, you know, I said, okay, what, what else is there? When we come back, Sean takes on that question. She would find the answer in the pages of a series of books and a partnership with one of America's biggest preachers. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. After being in front of the camera as a reporter and anchor at Access Hollywood for 16 years, Sean would depart and seek other opportunities, including those on the other side of the camera. I felt I was always a creator um, and a producer at heart. And so I just started looking for different um, properties, looking for different content. And so what happened was one day, and I pitched a number of shows, I developed, created a number of shows and pitched them around town and things got so close so many times. It's just how the business of Hollywood is. But a friend of mine, uh, Patrick Henry Bass, he used to be the uh, books editor at Essence Magazine. He called me one day and he said, Sean, I just got a galley for this book, Lust, by Victoria Christopher Murray, who's a very prominent author in the African-American community. And I know Victoria. And he said, you should call her up, tell her that you want to option not only this book, but the entire series that she is doing. She's doing the Seven Deadly Sins story um, and the entire series. And so I called her up and I said, hey, I'd like to try to pitch these as movies. And so she said, great. And so we did this deal. And I started pitching them and I had pitched to a number of places, including Lifetime, including other networks. And everybody was like, oh, this is great. But the time just wasn't right. Then T.D. Jakes did a, you know, deal at Lifetime when, you know, he, did, he had done a movie at Lifetime that did very well. Um, and they wanted more content from him. So his people called me. And they said, hey, do you still have that Seven Deadly Sins, um, you know, book series? And this had been months and months. This is almost like a year after I had pitched it to them. And I said, yeah, I still have it. And he said, well, T.D. Jakes is interested in producing it with you. Would you, would you like to have that partnership? I'm like, uh, yeah, uh-huh. And so then, then we started, we started with the scripts and we started, you know, getting the writers and all of that. And things moved very, first things were moving quickly, then the pandemic hits and then everything comes to a standstill. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> so, you know, it, it slowed down uh, as everything did. And then it quickly picked back up. Lifetime said, hey, we want to do this and we want to do it fast. Um, and so we just picked up steam and we just started the entire process. And now my movies are coming on uh, this weekend and next weekend. And it has been a really long road. But when I see, Ed, when I see the words executive producer underneath my name, if you hear a scream, that's me. Okay. That's going to be me. So I'm really excited about it. I watched Bella. Not anymore. I knew you was up to no good, but going after your own sister, shame on me. Shame on you. What? You're talking crazy. 
Look, Beta is a liar. You can't trust anything she says. Get out my way. Get off me. Get off me. sense of accomplishment for you, but what it also does as a, an executive producer is it allows you to give others employment and yeah. jobs and opportunities, particularly for people of color. Yes, yes. And so many, um, I, when we were looking at, we had a fantastic uh, casting director, uh, Fern Champion, and we were looking at all of the um, the actors and actresses that were available and interested in the roles for both lust and envy. And as I was looking at them, Ed, it was just pages and pages, people and reels and everything. I was thinking um, a number of these people I had interviewed on the red carpet when I uh, was, you know, covering different, you know, shows on the red carpet. And there were people that I had never met before, but I had admired their work. And then there were people I knew that hadn't worked in a while. And I was like, I am in the position to help somebody help, you know, talent, these talented people get work. Okay. And especially during a pandemic, of course, everybody's, you know, nobody had an abundance of work. And so it was, su- it was an amazing feeling to be able to say, I can help somebody. I can help somebody get a shot. I can help somebody get their next job because once they get this, you know, other jobs may come. And I, that's, that's what it's about for me. It's always about, I've, you know, as you know, Ed, I've always had a philanthropic heart. You know, I have my own uh, foundation. And I'm always about leveling the playing field and helping other people get opportunities. So that is one of the fantastic things for me as an executive producer, uh, somebody who spent all of their time in front of the camera, this is my chance to help somebody else have an opportunity to shine and to show their work. Let me ask you, um, as we look at being able to have these opportunities, a lot of conversation going on about African-Americans and people of color in Hollywood and and the opportunities that either come or don't come because of your color. Right now, we see an uptick. Many people believe it, much like corporate America is kind of the aftermath of what we've been going through over the last uh, two years or so. Um, Do you see this as uh, an uptick that's going to stay? Is it too early to tell? Where do you sit on that? I mean, I know you have this opportunity now. Yeah. But we all have to be reasonable and, and, and realistic about we've seen upticks before that kind of leveled off after a while. Yeah, I, I don't think this is going to level off. I think the expectation now is um, diversity. You know, I think the words diversity and inclusion you know, didn't hold much substance uh, before this time in our, in our, uh, in our culture. I, I, I think, you know, one of the things that I love about, you know, being with Lifetime is that, you know, they, you know, really put their money where their mouths are. I mean, you know, to be able to um, give a first time um, you know, first time executive producer like myself, the opportunity 
to not only have this title, but to have not one, but two movies out. I mean, that is quite an accomplishment and hopefully seven movies because we know there are seven deadly sins, but I mean, that's, um, you know, that is saying that we are, we are in this. And I know that there are other people who are getting opportunities like this. And I hope that other networks will start to, um, will, will, will start to follow suit and also increase the, the, you know, increase the people, not only in front of, but behind the camera. Also, it's one thing to, you know, put some, you know, make your on camera diverse, but who are the decision makers? That is, a, that is very important to have decision makers that are people of color and that understand that the world doesn't look like how it's been presented for these last many, many, many years. So hopefully that we are now seeing a shift um, in, in how Hollywood is doing business. Another shift in the way Hollywood is doing business is that more and more there is a cross-pollination of talent. There is a blurring of the lines as singers, rappers, and social media stars are being cast alongside actors. These movies follow that blueprint. Carrie Hilson, Candy Burris, and Tank, who all started in music, star in these movies. Well, you know, that definitely is a benefit. And uh, Candy is actually an envy. She's in our second movie. We have Tank, uh, Tobias, and Carrie Hilson, um, and Latoya Luckett in Lust. Uh, great, great cast. Soraya, who was on Power, uh, is in Envy. Um, addition, in addition to DC Young Fly, who's in, in, like that guy is like a social media in, in powerhouse. Um, but yeah, that definitely that definitely is a benefit. Um, none of them sing in the movie. So we don't have their music in the movie, but, um, it's, yeah, it, and, and what you obviously what you see now is you see a lot of artists, um, moving into the acting world and, and vice versa. You have actors who are, you know, singing, you know, showing off their music skills, but definitely you're seeing a lot more artists. Um, look, listen, we just had, um, what Cynthia Revo? I mean, you know, you, you talk about somebody who's able to, who's showing her acting chops and her singing chops. I mean, you know, it is a great combination to be able to have. What does that do for you? Um, you know, you have sometimes put your toe in the water for, for acting. Oh, oh, I was going to say, I know you weren't going to say singing. <laughs> I know you weren't going to say No, singing. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, most recently you were in um, Games People Play. Which yes. On BET. Um, is that something that you want to continue uh, now that you're this big executive? I'm, you know, waiting to find you in a corner office somewhere above Wilshire. But, um, uh, you know, I just did a scene. I just taped a scene for tape. I just filmed a scene for Games People Play. Uh, I'm Chris Kensington, this media mogul for Games People Play on BET. So that's been like a really fun role for me. And I've done a number of acting roles this is one of the first times, and I've had other opportunities to play uh, like against. I usually I'm just the anchor, you know, and I'm doing my anchor thing. And I don't want to do that anymore. I like roles where I can 
um, you know, expand and, and show my skills, whatever skills those are. But yeah, that's why this one has been fun for me. And my girlfriend, Tracy Edmonds, who I'm actually, um, it's probably premature, but I'm actually doing another movie with at Lifetime, but I'll tell you about that later. But anyway, she's the executive producer of Games People Play. And she had called me up one day and she said, hey, we've got this role for you. I said, I, I said if it's an anchor role, I don't want it. She said, nope. She said, it's not an anchor role. I was like, okay, cool. So yeah, so that's been fun. Let's talk a little bit about the philanthropic side. You mentioned it, but um, you have been um, heading the Sean, Sean Foundation for many years now. And uh, I'm curious how you, how you got into it. I mean, um, you have been a staunch supporter of girls and women, particularly those who are underrepresented and underserved. Give me a sense of how that started for you. So, you know, my, my parents, my grandparents, Ed, always taught me that if God gives you a platform, use it to give back to others. And um, I, I tell the story about just how my, my parents were always into uh, some type of philanthropic work in various ways. So um, that's always been instilled in me. I, you know, I can accomplish as as... You know, I can be on every red carpet, I can be in every movie, whatever, but it always comes down to what am I doing for other people. So after I left Access Hollywood after 16 years, I started the Sean Foundation for Girls. And um, it, it, we focus on, and when I say we, I mean me, we focus on um, helping leveling, you hear me saying leveling the playing field for girls in five different areas. Uh, and those areas are represented by the acronym of my name, S-H-A-U-N. So S is for STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. H is health, A is arts, U is unity, and N is neighborhood. So if there's a nonprofit, small nonprofit, that is working directly with girls in those areas, we would be a resource for them, even given, possibly giving them a grant or uh, helping them with an initiative. So we've done a lot of, uh, we've given a number of grants to incredible organizations. And one of the most recent things we did, we did a series of uh, sex trafficking prevention workshops. In we did one in Detroit, we did one on the campus of Spelman, we did one at Texas Southern. And uh, I was able to do these with a grant from the Ford Fund, which I'm very, very grateful for. So it was, it's been very, um, it's been very rewarding. And that's not the only thing we do. We do a lot of things. But, but for me, and right now my foundation is working on a documentary about implicit bias towards African-American girls. And for me, it is important to, as we, especially as we talk today about um, you know, shifting the narrative to, uh, when it comes to marginalized groups. Um, African-American girls have a, a, have a unique journey in our society, in America, and we're focusing on that and how we all as adults um, carry these biases against them and how we need to change those views um, because it really affects their self-esteem and their chances for success. I should note, I'd be remiss if I at least didn't bring this up. If, if you weren't busy enough, you also um, host, uh, and you know where I'm going, 90 Day right. Fiance, which... Don't, don't, don't pretend like you haven't seen it. 
I haven't. But yeah. you know my family represents it because my daughter never misses it. Taylor. Yeah, that's yeah. my girl. Taylor's my girl. So 90 Day Fiance, uh, TLC had come to me. This was, I, I used to host reunion shows for TLC, like even when I was back at Access Hollywood. So it was after I had left Access Hollywood, TLC came to me and said, hey, we have this show called 90 Day Fiance. We'd like for you to host the, the reunion show. I was like, what? 90 Day what is that? Ninth Day Fiance. So they sent me some clips and I was like, okay. I said, it'll probably be like a one-off. The show will probably be canceled after a few seasons. And so I did the reunion show and that was in, I think, 2000, I think it was in 2015. And I had no idea that this would grow to become probably the most successful docu-series in the history of television. I mean, currently it's seen in 168 countries and territories. So my DMs are like, I get DMs from every single country in the world asking how they can be on 90 Day Fiance. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I, I haven't, I, I, it was crazy. So we did the first show that we did in quarantine. I think, um, you know, I was thinking to myself, it was all virtual. I was thinking, oh, I said, nobody's going to watch this in quarantine and all this. It ended, up, it ended up being the number one show in the country, um, beating out like all the networks and everything. And it's, um, it's got a fan base that includes your daughter, Taylor. You know, so <laughs> there are a lot of people who watch the show and my mother is addicted also. Well, listen, I am so proud of you and all that you are doing. Um, but, you know, it comes as no surprise because I know how focused and, and how committed you have been to your career. So this is just part of the payoff. And I want to once again, thank you publicly for the role that you have taken in um, just being a mentor to my little baby. And you know, all that you've done there. Yeah, you, Taylor is such an extraordinary young lady. I mean, she is going to go so far. You have raised her so well. Uh, she's not only a, you know smart and beautiful, but just very kind and caring. And um, you know, so when you know she came out here, and you were like, okay, you know, watch over her as her big sister. I'm you know I'm doing just that, and she has helped me along with her, you know, good friend, uh, Catherine, as they have helped me with my foundation, uh, helped me put on a few events. And so I'm really grateful uh, for her being in my life. And then, thanks to Sean, we ended as we began. Does Taylor know that when you were in school that you won like best look, what was it? Best you know, looking? I think, you're, uh, I think your publicist is telling us we're running out. No, of I don't think so. Ed <laughs> won, was it class cute or class handsome? Which one was it? None of the above. Yes, it was. It was one of those you won. So listen, yes. I'm going to say again. And all the girls were like, Who the Ed? I'm so proud of you. You. <laughs> you were like one of People Magazine's best looking, most handsome people. I remember, but in high school, you didn't talk to me. So. We're not even. We're not even gonna pretend that was the case. I'm just gonna call you later. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Sean. I love you too, my friend. Thank you, babe. Okay, bye. <laughs>
Remember Lust, a seven deadly sin story premieres tomorrow, Saturday, April 10th at 8 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. And then the next in the series, Envy, premieres next week, Saturday, April 17th at 8 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.